Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. For this episode, you are going to come into my home and come to church with us. I'm the pastor of an independent Baptist church in Grand Junction, Colorado, called the Church of Grace. We currently meet in our home, and we just started putting our services up online. You can find the videos on the Bible Thumper podcast Facebook page and YouTube channel, and you can listen to the audio anywhere you download a podcast. Tonight, we have a special guest preacher, Daniel Williams, missionary to the Philippines. He came out with his whole family. He showed us his work of what they are going to do in the Philippines, and then he brings a message to us in our church. They've already shown us the video, and now they're going to answer a couple questions about their work when they were in China and what they're going to be doing in the Philippines. So let's get to it. I'll kind of walk through a little bit more of my testimony. I will say, and y'all saw a picture or two in the video of a house church, of me leading a service in a house church. So I was just talking to Brother Hayes, and I said, this, this feels very normal. We did this for two and a half years there in China. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of the people there didn't have Bibles. So we, we had some Bibles, and we'd stack them up, and we'd, we'd pass them out to everybody. And uh, it was just... Uh, Seeing this, we'd always have food at the at the beginning and food and fellowship, and then have a have a have a Bible lesson afterwards. And so this to me, this is this this brings me so many memories. And we we were able to see uh, to gain many friends, but also gain brothers and sisters in Christ there in China with that. And uh, so this, to me, this is this is just uh, I haven't been in a in a house church like this. Uh, in a, in quite a while, so it's uh, it's very special. I know it's a little different, and and if y'all eventually, you know, burst at the seams where you know you've got people stacked up like cordwood everywhere, and y'all have to get a, a a more traditional building, you know, that's fine, and God probably will do that, but that'll be in His timing, and everything. So I'll flesh out a little bit of my testimony. You know what? Let's uh, let's go ahead and have the song first. Yeah, I think so, uh, unless you want it at the end. So, all right. My family has a song. It's nothing super special, uh, but it is a song from the heart. We are not professional uh, singers, but we love the Lord. And the Bible talks about making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And this particular song is uh, its a traditional hymn that most of you, I'm sure, have, have heard many hundreds of times. But this is a favorite hymn in the Philippines. My wife, uh, whose language skills are better than mine in the, in the Tagalog Philippine language, is going to sing a verse in Tagalog. And you'll get to hear it the, the way that they would be singing this song there in uh, many of the islands of the Philippines. So we hope it'll be a blessing. May kasiyahan, pagkat sa langit ay may naghihintay na kaharian intung lantay ako'y may bahay na dinasisira doon sa langit. No walang hanggan, wala nang hapis, at laging sa 
sagad na sa piling ng Diyos na dakila. Alrighty. All right. So I'm going to walk through a little bit of my testimony just to get, fill in a little more of the details, talk a little bit more of our ministry in China and what we expect to do in the Philippines. And then I'm going to have a, a question and answer time. So y'all can start thinking of questions. If you want to ask me a question about uh, me or my wife's testimony or our time in China or uh, some things about the Philippines. We'll take a, a few minutes, and then after that, I'll bring a, a, a brief message after that. Uh, so y'all can just kind of be thinking uh, about some questions if you have a, a question you'd like to ask. So I was born and raised in, in Texas. I'm a Texan. Any Texans here? No. Uh, we got a half Texan back there? <laughs> Uh, so I was born and raised there, and an interesting anecdote about my life um, was my parents had gone uh, to this suburb of Houston on the, on the far north side of Houston to help start a new church. That area did not have a good gospel preaching, uh, Bible preaching uh, church in that area, and it was a fast-growing area, and uh, a pastor knew that my parents were about to get married, and he said, hey, after you get married, why don't you come over? and help, you know, help start this church. And they talked about it, and the Holy Spirit led them to do that. Well, I came along about six months later, uh, or maybe a year later, I forget, uh, and uh, I was born on a Wednesday, and um, at that time in the 70s, uh, they would commonly keep the ladies for observation for about three days. Uh, nowadays, the hospital is so expensive, both you and <laughs> you want to get out of there as quick as possible. But, uh, but so they released her on Sunday. And as the way the time released and everything, and they're heading back to their place. And of course, my mom just gave birth a couple days ago, and you would expect that she'd want to rest, but it was getting close to church time, and they were actually passing nearby where the church was. And she looked at my dad, and they said, you know what, let's just go to church tonight. So I actually attended church before going home from the hospital. So that just an interesting anecdote, and I'm, I'm sure there have been babies born in a church, but uh, that's my testimony. But just to illustrate, I was literally raised in church, and there are probably some of you here like that, but there are probably some here who are not like that, who maybe uh, didn't go to church until maybe even just recently, uh, or until you were a teenager, or until you were an adult. But for me, that was my testimony. And, and I was I grew up in the nursery and the primary and the junior department and the teen department and, and participated in all the activities of the church. We would uh, just my my parents were big helpers at the church. My dad helped uh, with different uh, different office things uh, at the church uh, as needed. And, and uh, my mom was always helping in the nursery or teaching a Sunday school class or whatever. And that's just the way it was. I can remember also uh, as a little six, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy, my dad drove a little 28-passenger white, uh, kind of a, not a mini bus, but a 28-passenger bus, so a small bus. And he would go to some areas uh, and we would invite children and teenagers and families uh, to come to church. And I could remember walking with him and, and seeing those homes. Some of those homes were homes that were not like my home. 
Some of those homes were the parents were glad to see the church people come by because they're like, oh, free babysitting. Waha. You know, go take them away for six hours and, you know, five hours. And, you know, and some homes were like that. And some drug, some homes may have had drugs or alcohol problems or just different, uh, different problems. And I got to see that at an early age and see the effects of sin, which that's important that people know the effects of sin because Satan for sure wants to show the positives. And the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. And you, there is a pleasure that can be had in the world's sin, but it only lasts a short time, and the Satan never shows you. You know, uh, again, and I, I realize cigarettes lately, uh, and cigarettes may not be what I might call a, 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 a humongous sin, but it's damaging your body. And the Bible says if you're a Christian, you should protect your body and says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, but don't show or, 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 you know, alcohol addictions. On the backside of the billboard, they never show cirrhosis of the liver and liver cancer. You know, they always show people partying it up and having a great time, but they don't show the people suffering in pain with liver cancer, which is one of the most horrible ways to die and, and things like that. But I'm glad that my dad showed me that from an early age saying, you know what, this is what can happen if, if you go that down that road. Um, well, I grew up and, and I ended up graduating from high school and I was a Christian and, and I knew I was a Christian and, and I was faithful going to church every time the door was open. And um, as a Christian, you know, I, I, myself, and I think most people who would say that they're Christians, who would say, I'm a believer, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know that he's going to give me a home in heaven one day because he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I think most Christians would say, well, if I knew 100% for sure that Jesus wanted me to do something specific, well, I'd be a fool not to do it. You know, if Jesus literally walked in and, and came over and took the pulpit and said, hey, this is what I want you to do tomorrow. I mean, if, if it really was Jesus, I'd be a fool not to do anything he said. And unfortunately, though, sometimes, you know, teenagers like me, when I graduated from high school, were looking for that physical manifestation of Jesus. Well, that's not going to happen. He's in heaven today and he's got the Holy Spirit here on earth. And we can see the influence of Jesus, but we're not going to see his body until we get to heaven. We're not going to see him. And uh, so for a short time. After I graduated from high school, uh, I had got a job and I started working hard. And because I showed up on time and worked an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, I started getting raises and promotions, even over people twice my age. And I let it go to my head a little bit. And there for a couple years, I took God out of first place in my life and I put my job up in first place. And I said, you own me, you know, you can, because you're paying me, I've got to respect you and just kind of give you my life. And that, and that, that's a lie. That's not true. And, but for a couple of years, I started letting them schedule me on all day Sundays and all day Wednesdays and, and things like that. And taking me out of church uh, and out of my, uh, you know, I used to go out and pass out tracks with the other teenagers and stuff. And suddenly I'm working. And suddenly I went from somebody who went to church every single time the door was open, every single special service to only going maybe once or twice a month, if that. 
And I got kind of, we, we use the term backslidden. I kind of got away from God in that time. I said, guess what? Because I wasn't going to church, I stopped reading my Bible as much. I stopped praying as much. I stopped living for God as much. And I thank the Lord that, that he protected me in many ways, you know. But after that, uh, but for a couple years, like I said, I, I had taken God out of first place. And again, that's a, that's a lie. Yes, we have to provide for our families. You know, and God understands, you know, my dad worked for the telephone company for 30 years and there were certain weekends that he had to wear a pager. This was back in the 80s or 90s or a little beeper. And, you know, it, you know, could you imagine if a if the phone system went down for a hospital? OK, so there were occasionally times where he might have to miss a service because he needed to go get the phones working again. And that's very important. And I, I totally believe that God understands that. But if, if, if you have a job that consistently keeps you away from God and away from God's house and away from the church, the assembly, the assembling together with other Christians, then that's probably a job you need to look at changing um, and everything. Bear with me. My throat, I don't know what. I, I was up on the Mesa and probably allergies. <clears throat> Yeah. Every morning I woke up and my throat was just so dry just from sleeping. So I'm not used to that. So my, I'll have to drink some water throughout. But after that couple years, my brother and sister said, Daniel, you know, you're, you're now 21 years old and you're, you're, you know, you're just working. You're not dating anybody. You're not, you're just, you know, you got uh, four or five weeks of vacation a year already. You know, I was working up the ranks. I was getting promotions and stuff. And they said, why don't you take a, why don't you take a week off and go to this Bible conference? And I went to a youth conference geared for teenagers, but, you know, I was 21, close enough. And I went up to a youth conference up in Indiana, and I heard some hard preaching for three straight days. And, and some of the points they, they were making that the preachers, it felt like many of the preachers were talking right to me. And one of the main points was, again, going back to the idea, I'm a Christian, and if Jesus walked through the door and got in my face and said, Daniel, go do this, well, I'd do it, of course. I mean, but at that time, I think that I couldn't hear his voice and what he wanted. Because a lot of times, if you, go to the, if you go to Kings, it talks about the voice of God being a still, small voice. And unfortunately, sometimes the world is screaming so loud in one ear that we can't hear that still, small voice of God in the other ear. And I think that's what had happened to me. And so I took those three days and was kind of shut the world out a little bit, going to preaching. They had preaching, preaching all day long for like three days. It was, it was wild. I hadn't, I hadn't done that in a while. <laughs> I mean, but that was one thought is, are you listening to the voice of God? And then number two, um, you know, are you willing to do the, vo to do the will of God, but are you listening? And then another thought that they had was, would you consider, if you don't know what God has for you, would you consider giving one year of your life to Bible college just to kind of dig into some Bible classes, study deeper into the Word, and just kind of, uh, you know, just see um, what God has for you? And at that time, you know, I don't necessarily think Bible college is for everybody, but for me at that time, that's what I needed. And I said, well, God, uh, yeah, I could give you a year, but... But, God, there are these five obstacles that would keep me from going this fall 
And, you know, a lot of times when God presents you with a decision, if you don't act upon it right away, you're probably never going to act upon it. Um, so I said, God, I'll go to college, except these five obstacles. And these were obstacles bigger than me. They were obstacles I could not handle. And, uh, and one of them, one of them, for example, was I had literally two months before signed a one-year lease on an apartment. And they had like, and again, I don't even know if this is legal. To me, this sounds crazy. But they had a six-month penalty. Like if you break the lease, you have to pay six months rent right there. Um, and the way that my father raised me, I was not going to just default. Like I couldn't, my character wouldn't let me just say, I owe you $6,000 or whatever the, uh, I don't know, rent was probably 500 a month or something. Uh, so maybe 3000, I didn't have 3000 in the bank just to give away to some landlord. And so God had to solve that problem for me. And there were four other equally large problems just like that, that, that were beyond me. But I said, God, if you'll take care of those five things, then sure, I'll give you a year at Bible college. Seven days later, all of them were crossed off the list. I didn't have to pay any default on, on that. And they, they let us, uh, they let me uh, cancel the lease with just paying the, la the, the month of August. Um, and then I headed out to Bible college just six weeks later and uh, the right around Labor Day. And so I went to Bible college and the video referenced me going on a on a trip to Guatemala. And um, I went on that missions trip and I saw just the spiritual need of the people. But it's not just in Guatemala. It's here in Colorado, too. Um, you know, I saw. um we literally went down uh, to a trash dump, the city trash dump for the Guatemala city where they back up the, the, the dump trucks full of trash up to the edge of a cliff and just drop it down into this ravine below. And we went down in the bottom of the ravine to where people had would dig out a hole in the trash and put up a piece of cardboard as a door. And they lived in that trash dump. And we brought them some bags of beans and rice to minister to their physical needs. But I also brought, uh, my Spanish was very limited, but I could read a Spanish track and I, I, I had just barely enough Spanish that I could introduce them to Jesus. And just seeing just seeing the people's openness to that, the openness to the gospel. And uh, that just God said, Daniel, missions is what I have for you. And, and what is missions? Missions is just doing what we do here in America, what Christians are supposed to do. What are Christians supposed to do? There's many things. But the number one thing that Christians are supposed to do is to tell others about our best friend, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for me. And he, he, he saved me and gave me the greatest gift I've ever been given. OK, but if I have a friend and I won't share that with them, how they could gain the greatest gift they could ever gain in their in their life, then I'm a very poor Christian. And uh, that's what we're Christians are supposed to do. And that's what missionaries are. It's just doing what we do. Christians do here in America, but going to a foreign country. And as the video referenced, uh, about 80 percent of the population of the Philippines profess to be Catholic. And unfortunately, if you study Catholic doctrine, okay, Catholic doctrine teaches some things. They do teach a few things that are in the Bible. They do teach that Jesus died on the cross. 
But but if you follow and believe their doctrine, I believe the heart of it, that doctrine is sending people to hell because they add something. See, the Bible says it's only through Jesus Christ that we can go to heaven. And the Catholics, unfortunately, add some other things. Well, you need to also do this and this and this and this and this. Uh, and so 80% of the people that profess to be Catholic, they're most likely on their way to hell. And about 10% of the people in the Philippines profess to be Muslim. And that's, again, that's a religion that's sending people to hell um, because there's they're not trusting in Jesus. But um, to move along there, God showed me that missions was what he had for me. So after that, given in that one year, I said, okay, God, I guess I need to go ahead and get a missions degree. And so I went ahead and, and re-enrolled with missions major and finished out a four-year degree. And I met my wife in Bible college uh, there and God brought us together and we got married. Uh, and then we ended up going to China. And uh, again, China's not like America. They're, they're <laughs> They're, I mean, they, they are communist and uh, they, the communist party does anything that they want to do and they rule the people with an iron, with an iron fist. And of course, China has been in the news more, a lot more lately in the last year and a half or two years, them cracking down on Hong Kong and some other things, the Uyghurs uh, and, and different parts of China. And uh, they've always been doing that. They were doing that when I was there but they were just kept it more low key. It's just lately they've just like, I don't care. And, and so they're doing that. You know, it's, uh, I know a missionary uh, who went there in 19, I think it was 97 or 98. And he told me this story personally, but he said, you know, God wanted me to go to China to tell them about Jesus. So I flew in and, uh, you know, on Wednesday or something like that. And on Saturday he went, he was in Beijing and he went on Saturday, he went out to Tiananmen Square back in 97, 98 and started passing out tracks. Well, guess what? They kicked him out of the country 24 hours later. <laughs> you know, that's not legal for them to do. Now, fortunately, he had a friend in the U.S. passport office. Uh, and again, this was back in the 90s. You probably couldn't do it today. But they actually got him a brand new passport with a different number because China had obviously blacklisted that number like you could never re-enter. But because he got a brand new passport number, he was able to go later. And he's like, oh, I need to change my methods up. And so in China, we had to do things a little differently. Methods changed a little bit, but the gospel never changes. Again, the gospel, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's the gospel. And it's the same gospel in China, in the Philippines, in Europe, in Australia, in America. It's the same all over the world. That's the only way for salvation. And uh, so we had to do things differently, had to do things in house churches. And, and you got to see a picture there. And I've got a picture over there on the display. Uh, we did some of that. And God was just really good. Uh, but God knows the future. It's, it's, you know, isn't that interesting how God knows the future? <laughs> God lives outside of time and he and he knows that future. And uh, he set up things in my in my life leading me to the future. Um, so in 2010, we came back to the States with uh, some medical situations that we had to care for. And that took several, several years, but now we're now uh, we've gotten through that. God is good. And so now we're going back to the Philippines. 
but my wife was born in the Philippines. She's a, and uh, she's got dual citizenship and my children have dual citizenship so they can enter the country freely without even getting a visa. I've now been around that culture for over 20 years now. We started dating uh, 20 years and four months ago or something like that, three or four months ago. And, uh, and, and the, the video referenced it as well. The last two and a half years we were in China, in addition to our Chinese ministry, God brought us into contact with uh, the Filipinos. There were a lot of Filipinos working there, foreigners, and there are Filipinos working all over the world. Uh, there's a Filipino community in almost every large city in the world. And, uh, God brought us into contact with them, and we, we started an international church that was mostly Filipino, although we had Nigerians and Koreans and Russians and British people that would visit from time to time, but the core of it was Filipinos. And so God gave me that, knowing that in the future he was going to send me to the Philippines and everything. So that's kind of my testimony. Um, I'll take some uh, questions now. If anybody has a question about China, the Philippines, my testimony, my wife's testimony, whatever. I saw this lady's hand first. Right. I uh, yes, in many ways, I will say that uh, in China, interestingly enough, my wife and I felt safer in China than we actually feel in America. Now, one reason is we didn't have the negative news media broadcasting it loudly every time somebody gets murdered. You know, okay, somebody got murdered in Chicago, you know, whatever, 20 million people in the, in the greater Chicago area, and somebody got murdered. And so suddenly I'm all, you know, is that guy a murderer? You know, I mean, there's so much negative news out there that literally um, we felt physically safer. Now, again, I don't agree with the Communist Party uh, in, their, in their dominance of China, you know, but in our city of six million, they had about three murders in the whole year, you know, and, and that can happen, you know, on a Tuesday night and, and in many large cities in America, just like that. Um, but there was a level of spiritual oppression where, you know, that white van driving by, is that going to turn in here and come up and knock on my door and, t and kick and, and drag me to some holding cell? It never happened to me, although I do had, did have some friends. Uh, they were not handcuffed or anything, but they're like, you will be at this appointment tomorrow at this office. And, and they had, I, I don't know if I'd call it an interrogation, but they had some, some pretty hard questioning for, for a couple hours. Uh, it was harder on the Chinese uh, that worked that we knew a couple times. They took in the Chinese pastor that we worked closely with, and they were harder on him than they were with the foreigners. But there was definitely a level of spiritual oppression of just like like a fear kind of of 
when is when are they going to kick me out or when are they going to do something to us again that never happened but there was a level of spiritual oppression and you know what there was also times though in that spiritual oppression where you could say thank you lord there's a peace that's coming through i bet somebody in the states is praying for us right now um so so yes um some of those some of those times of spiritual oppression would tend to draw you closer. We had some other American missionaries there that, that worked, we worked closely with. And so we could meet together to kind of uh, bear one another's burdens as the Bible talks and kind of share in that. But yes, that definitely did happen. All right, next. Okay. So <clears throat> Having a belief is not illegal now. Now, when Mao Zedong, back in the 60s and 70s, they burned Bibles and and he basically said, you will become an atheist or, or we'll kill you. That is no longer the case. Now, China today is uh, with President Xi, uh, who came into power at the end of 2016 and 2017. He's trying to drag China back to those days. Um. It's getting worse. But when we were there from 2004 to 2010, I feel like it was a window of opportunity where it was they they knew that foreigners were there. They knew that missionaries were there, but they kind of just like turned the other eye because foreigners were also bringing in money into the economy and they were building big factories and they just didn't want they didn't want to rock the boat. They wanted that money. So we were there for during this wonderful window of opportunity. Um where they just kind of turned an eye, turned a blind eye to some of that. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was some. I think Brother Hayes had a... <clears throat> okay, so in 2017, President Xi started enacting policies that restricted foreigners in many ways. Again, tr he's trying to in many ways, drag China back to those days where he wants to be the ultimate dictator who could just point at somebody and just like kill him. Uh, Mao Zedong, even in some cases, uh, pointed at some city on a map and said, go wipe them out. And the Red Army would go just kill everybody in that city back in the 60s and 70s. The ultimate despotic power. And so China does not have that. The Communist Party does try to control itself a little bit, but, uh, but that's what it feels like he's trying to drag back. So what he's done, most missionaries could get in as English teachers uh, because China, again, was trying to become a world superpower, and they are. But if you go back to 1980, China was not a world superpower. I mean, they had some, some power, but they were, their military was nothing. And uh, so what they've done they wanted to learn English as because English is the business language of the world, and uh, they wanted to build up their business and their economy. So English teachers would come in, teach them English, and uh, China made it very easy. But now President Xi has restricted that, so it's very, very difficult to get in with an English teaching visa. Uh, just it's very so almost all missionaries that I know who were in China, all over China, are no longer there. There are still a few there who are actually still there and never came back during COVID. And they've just kind of been hunkered down in, in random cities, just kind of being super low key. Um, I have a friend of ours who we worked with in China for two years, and uh, 
they're currently in the States now, but he, he has a different avenue. He has a business degree, uh, you know, and one of the things they'll look at is, okay, what's your, what's your education? So I list down, oh, I graduated from a Bible college. Well, they didn't care back in 2004 to 2010, but now they do. They're like, eh, we don't want anybody from some Bible college coming in. So my friend, uh, he did graduate from Bible college, but before he went to Bible college, he had graduated from a, uh, a, a with a, some sort of engineering degree. So he can go in as a businessman and he's got contacts with Chinese Christians and um, uh, they can help him get a business visa and he can go in as a business consultant and they'll help him out with that. So he's got an avenue that many missionaries do not uh, because that English teaching avenue has mostly been shut down, unfortunately, at this time. Anyone else? Okay, so we had a Chinese pastor who uh, we worked with closely. Uh, and I talked briefly with your pastor about that. They, China had a lot of different rules and regulations, so it was easier for me to go witness to somebody, even disciple them one-on-one, -on -one, but then funnel them to this Chinese pastor's underground church. And so that's what we did with most of our converts, and <clears throat> our, our home church still supports that Chinese pastor in a financial way. So uh, a lot of your... Like China monitors the internet, so a lot of your, it's very difficult to like, okay, I'm just going to Zoom you every every Friday night. You know, they, they, they don't have access to so many different, like they, they don't have access to Wikipedia, Facebook, and like all your major uh, social medias all over the world, they, they, you cannot access them. Um. I mean, you just don't. I mean, that you can sometimes use, I think they're called proxy servers, but even those, China shuts a lot of those down because they, they control their internet. So even when we were in China and they were more open, even our emails back to America, we had to be very careful with the words. So for example, we would say, instead of saying, you know, I led three people to Christ, I might say, I introduced three people to my best friend this week. So even in that level, because now, again, they can't read 10 million emails a day, but if they read the wrong one and they, they, they do, you know, search patterns for certain keywords uh, and things like that. So it's, you know, one of the one of our phrases was the verse from the Bible says, be as wise as a serpent, as harmless as a dove. Just you had to be very wise and very careful. All right. Any other? We'll take one or two more and then I'll I've got a short um, Okay, so in 2010, we came back with some medical stuff, and just the way that it worked out, I needed to just work a secular job to pay the bills so I could cover those medical things. That took a little over six years, and it was just, you know, but after six years of that, and then, of course, life brings events into your, you know, just life happens, and so really, the other stuff that happened in life added another about two years. So after about eight years of being back, so in 2018, God was burning in my heart, but I didn't, and I was finally in a position where the medical stuff's over, this other life stuff is over, and now we can look to the future. And so praying hard about that for about a year solid counseling with my pastor, 
led us to saying China's very closed right now. I don't have that engineering degree. It would be very difficult for me. And even because I was in China, you would think that'd be an advantage, you know, because I speak Chinese, but they can also look at that and say, well, what were you doing? Oh, you were too teaching English. Oh, we're scrutinizing English teachers. Let's go back and, oh, we had it flagged that you were a probable missionary, but we just didn't care back then. You know what I mean? So in many ways, it would be, I won't say impossible because with God, nothing is impossible, it'd be, but it'd just be extremely difficult for us to get into China, even though a piece of my heart is still there. I mean, converts there and things. Uh, so we, when we decided to go to the Philippines, uh, we attempted uh, to start heading that direction in 2020. And all of you know what happened in 2020. Uh, exactly nothing happened in 2020. <laughs> so we started what is called deputation. And, and I'll take a moment on this because some of you may not understand what that is, um, possibly. Uh, so we started deputation in March of 2021. And we've now been on deputation for 15 months. Deputation simply is a period of time where uh, a missionary uh, will go to different churches and will uh, try to connect with churches that may want to partner with him. And I'll read um, Acts 1.8, which is one of the last things Jesus said is before he was leaving. He says, uh, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he's speaking to the disciples and other Christians, and he said, your job is to witness to this local city, Jerusalem, and your local region or maybe state, you know, Judea, and then, uh, you know, this other state or this nearby country, Samaria, but then also into the uttermost parts of the earth. And he says both. So what he's really saying is your job is to simultaneously witness to Clif Clifton and, uh, and Grand, Grand Junction, but also this, this greater this greater West Colorado and the, and the whole state of Colorado and all of America and all of the world all at the same time. Well, guess what? You can't do that. And I, neither can I. So um, later on in Acts, the, the church at Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas out and they partnered with them and said, this is how we're going to fulfill our great commission. And we're going to be doing what we're supposed to be doing locally, but we're going to support others to go into other parts of the earth and do that. Support financially, yes, but also with prayers. Like I said, there were times in China with the spiritual oppression was hitting that you that suddenly you'd you'd be like, wow, somebody somebody's over there praying. And you just like yesterday you had a really bad day with spiritual oppression. Today it's like, I don't know why, but I feel better. And there was a lifting of that spiritual oppression. And I honestly believe it's because somebody had prayed and asked God to be with us. Um, and so it's a partnership. And the thing is, okay, for example, uh, the churches that we visited at Deputation, we still pray for each and every one of them, whether they decided to support us or not. Because we, just, we said that's a partnership. They took some time to invite us in and you know, and we can at least take a little bit of time each week and pray that God will bless that church. And it's a partnership. So that's what deputation is, is finding partners uh, who say, we want to support you. We can't go there now, 
but we're going to send somebody and we're going to support you. And so there are churches who supported us while we were in China who are still reaping spiritual rewards to this day because there are soul winners who were saved as a result of us being there and they're continuing the work. And so those people who gave, uh, I don't know if y'all have heard the song, but there's a, a song called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And it talks about when you get to heaven, if you have given to the Lord, there's going to be people who walk up to you and say, thank you, because you, you sent that missionary to my city. And if he had not come, I would be, on, I would be in hell today. And so there are eternal rewards for partnering. And that's what, that, that's what deputation is, going around and finding the churches. We are currently at about 55% of our support needed, and we're hoping uh, to finish up by next summer. We're hoping that we can get the other 45% within the next 12 months. But again, it's in God's timing. You know, when will, when will God build this church to the point that y'all need to buy a building or something or rent a building? That's in God's timing. When will God put us in the Philippines? Hopefully next summer, but that's also in God's timing. All right, one final question. If not, then we'll, yes, ma'am. Um, they do, well, okay. <laughs> There's a saying in Chinese, okay? The saying is nothing is legal in China. Everything is legal in China. And so what it means is with money, if, you're, if, if your family's wealthy, they can send their kids abroad. It's all about the money. So people can come and go, businessmen can come and go, but most of the time it's all about, are you willing to pay the, the fees to get the special student visa? Because I know there are different colleges in America that have students come over. Many of them, are students who their their family are probably in the Communist Party, make a lot of money, and they want them to study abroad, and they have the money to, they either have the money to send them or they have the connections to just, okay, we'll stamp it even though you didn't pay the money. Because there's a lot of, uh, there's a word called guanxi, which means relationship. And if you have relationship in China, then you can do anything if you have the right connections, which interestingly enough, that's, unfortunately how america is today too in many ways so all right i'm going to jump into i do want to get some have some time in the bible and i, I won't be lengthy uh, but i'd be happy to answer any more questions after we finish um, so we're going to be in the book of matthew we're going to be in the book of matthew and matthew chapter 9 Okay, and we're just going to look at four verses, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, a very familiar passage to many people, um, but Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I'm going to pray briefly and then we'll speak for a few minutes. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can gather tonight, Lord, here, this assembly of believers, this church, Lord, and that we can look at your word and, and I can give a testimony that may be encouraging to the folks, Lord. But Lord, we also, uh, I ask that you'd use me. Holy Spirit, speak through me in these few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to talk briefly about this question. Why do missionaries go out? Okay. Um, why did I leave America, which I truly believe, yes, America has problems, but I truly believe America is still the greatest nation in the world. Uh, the, the, you have far more comforts here in, in America. You have a better medical system in, in many ways. Uh, why would I leave my favorite, you know, Dr. Pepper and go to, chi go to China? You know, it was very difficult. I was having, it was very difficult to get so, some, 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 interestingly enough, there were just some very common things that you think of as very common that were almost impossible to find in China. Okay, well, for example, one, ranch dressing. Like, just none. Like, I don't know that we ever found it in China in our six years there. We, we had to bring those, like, little powder packets of uh, Hidden Valley Ranch and buy the mayonnaise and, and uh, mix it up ourselves and stuff like that. But, you know, and so, some of that stuff like that, you know, taco seasoning. It's just, just it's not there. <laughs> they did have peanut butter. But some of the stuff was very difficult. You know, okay, cheese was, v you could find it, but you had to search high and low and, and they might have it one week and then not for the next three. You know, butter, just, it was very difficult to find. Uh, you could, but it just took, you know, so why would I, or why would missionaries leave some of those comforts? You know, uh, the supermarkets, they did have supermarkets that were vaguely similar to a Walmart or, a, you know, a supermarket but they didn't always have the same things. Uh, and honestly, you know, I, I try to be not too freaked out by certain things, but when I would go to the meat section of the, of the supermarket and you've got, well, here's our beef and here's our chicken and here's our pork and here's our dog. And you know, that's, and it's just unwrapped right sitting right next to the beef or whatever. That's a little freaky. <laughs> You know, just seeing a whole head of dog just laying there ready to be cooked or no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I am not kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, that was <laughs> a friend of mine. <laughs> okay. We'll have a second of humor. A friend of mine who was older, he put his wife, they were shopping and she turned away and he put the head in the shopping cart and, and she, what? <laughs> And then he started singing, how much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, you know, that, that's a, that, I try not be, to be too freaked out, but, but you know, that's, uh, that's a little beyond for me, you know, you know, but so why would a missionary do that? You know, certain African countries, even the Philippines, I mean, it's, it's going to be very hot and very humid. Fortunately, Dumaguete is close to the ocean, so the ocean helps a little bit with breezes and things like that, but it's still going to be hot and humid. You know, why? Um, 
and electricity. They, they do have air conditioning, thank the Lord, but brownouts and blackouts are very common. And, you know, just, okay, no electricity for the next two days. Suck it up, you know. Uh, but here in America, I mean, you'd probably have riots if you didn't have uh, electricity for two days. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I'm just, you know, why would a missionary do that? And I'm going to submit to you tonight. There could be many reasons, but I'm going to give you two reasons from the word of God. Number one, the Bible says in verse 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Number one, missionaries go because they're sent. Somebody prayed for China in the, in the 80s and 90s. And I believe that's why my, my, my wife and I and some other missionaries went in 2004. Okay, somebody prayed and God said, okay, I'm going to send the laborers. You know, somebody prayed for the Philippines and we're going to the Philippines. Somebody prayed, somebody prayed for this area. And that's why Brother Hayes is here now. You know, I, I honestly believe that. Somebody prayed and, Jesus, and God sent. So number one, missionaries go out because we're sent. Okay, but it, again, it's not just the missionaries that are sent. Every single believer is sent. The Bible says, so send I you. And I read Acts 1.8, and he says, you shall be witnesses. Jesus is already sending every person who says, I'm a believer. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he says, you, you go. You go into the harvest. And where's the harvest? The harvest is the souls of men and women. The harvest is right around you. The harvest is your next door neighbor. The harvest is your coworker. The harvest is that cashier that you're checking out with and, and they're having a bad day. And you could just say, you know what? Uh, and maybe get a gospel track and pass them out. You know, say, you know what? Hey, let me invite you to a church service with some friends. Let me, let me, um, let me encourage you. And the best encouragement that we as Christians can give to anybody is showing them how that they could know for sure that when they die, that they would have their home in heaven. That is the absolute best encouragement we can give to anybody. And so why do missionaries go out? It's because we're sent, but it's not just missionaries. It's every single Christian who claims the name of Jesus Christ. We are also to go. Um, a secondary part of it is we as Christians should encourage those who say that they are sent. You know, if somebody here in this group said, you know what, I feel God wants me to uh, go to Bible college, study, and, 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 and go to uh, Africa to be, be, become a missionary, then though you fellow Christians around should encourage that and say, wow, you listen to God, you obey God, you do what God wants, because in obeying God, those bring the greatest blessings you can ever have. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes Christians say, well, it's okay for somebody else to go, but not me, or not my little boy, or not my little girl. I'll tell you, uh, one of the, this is, this is from last October, I visited a church, and a man came to me, it's a husband and wife, and they have a, a daughter who was, who was graduating this last year, who who'd probably just graduated last month or, or this month. And the father came up to me and said, please pray for me. And I, and I do pray for him. He said, my daughter feels that God wants her to go to Bible college and that God wants to use her in some way for his service. But pray for her because her mom 
wants her to go to medical school and wants her to become a doctor and make lots of money. And the mom says she's a Christian. The mom was attending church. We were talking privately. And yet she's, she's willing for others to go, but she's not willing to, to let her own daughter go. And that's the saddest thing. Because if, if she hinders her daughter from doing what God wants, she's going to be called to account when, in heaven one day. And if her daughter was going to witness to people and those people were going to get saved and they didn't, that blood is going to be on that mother's hands who hindered her daughter. So if, if God does want to send somebody, yourself, your family, someone, you encourage them. You encourage them to go. So number one, why do missionaries go? Because they're sent. And then number two, and, and, and again, it's just very simple. In verse 35, uh, verse 36, it says, but when he, this is Jesus, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Number two, why do missionaries go? It's because of mercy. He had compassion and he had mercy. And that's what happened to me when I went to Guatemala. I saw those people and I was moved with compassion. I said, these people are dying and going to hell. And there was a missionary there, but he could only do so much in that gigantic city full of millions of people. He could only do so much. And, and I was moved with compassion. So why do missionaries go? Because they're sent, but also because of mercy. Do we have mercy? Do we have compassion? When we look at our next door neighbor, when we look at the people walking down the street, when we look at the people shopping in the Walmart, do we, do we care at all about them? Do we care enough to pray for them, to pray for God to send laborers, to, to pray for God to make ourselves the laborers? Do we care enough to invite them to a church service, to, to give them a gospel track, to try to say, hey, hey, neighbor, why don't you come over for, and, and, you know, we'll grill in our backyard and we'll have a meal. And then with the plan of giving them the gospel, you know, do we care? Do we have the mercy and compassion that Jesus had and that he wants us to have? The Bible says in the book of Jude, it says, some have compassion making a difference. Do we want to make a difference? And earlier in the chapter, in verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, I will have mercy. Do we have the mercy that we need to have? See, everybody can be a, quote, missionary to their local area. God's already sent us. He's sent every Christian. And, and we should have the mercy and compassion. Again, when I vis visited Guatemala, my heart was moved. Do we have that compassion? Do we, do we care that people are slipping into hell? You know, every day, thousands of people die all around the world. And many of them are slipping straight into a hell, straight into eternity and an eternal hell. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time, Lord, that I could talk about China and the Philippines and, and also look at your word and say, why do missionaries go out and why should Christians go out? And the reason we should be going out is because we're sent and you've sent every one of us. But Lord, also because of mercy, we need to have compassion. Now, Lord, you know that I spoke to Christians tonight, but Lord, there might be someone in this room tonight who says, you know, I, you know, there's never been a specific time in my life where I understood that I was a sinner. I understood because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. And I understand that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. 
And it's only through accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's the only way I can go to heaven. If there's someone in this room who, who they don't have that clear time in their life where they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that you'd have that person talk to Brother Hayes, talk to me, talk to someone tonight before they leave. We ask this in your name. Amen.